we'll talk to Andy again here in a bit. It's interview time. Let's see. Mr. William Ramsey, sir. Welcome to the kill stream. Sorry. I got you on a little late. I was running late and I have so much stuff. I had to cram into that opening there, but, uh, thank you, sir, for coming on the kill stream. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. All right. Now, as I do with pretty much every guest, I let them introduce themselves, go through their history, tell them, tell the audience who they are and stuff like that. Um, so could you do that for the audience here on the kill stream? Sure. My name is William Randy. I've published three books. I've done five documentaries all on differing subjects. Uh, I, the book that I was requested to join uh, your show on was Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception in the sure. West Memphis Three Murders. But I've also written Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order, and also Children of the Beast, which is about Aleister Crowley's influence upon 20th century culture. And my documentaries are Children of the Beast, Prophet of Evil, Smiley Face Killers, Smiley Face Killers Volume 2, and Occult Hollywood, all available on Vimeo. Now, um, you mentioned, and also we'll take some callers. Callers, if you want to jump in, Gator's going to throw out that link here in a minute. We have Bibble still with us as well, going to join us for this interview. Uh, now, I think the secretary told you this, but I'm not sure. I am from West Memphis and uh, actually was born in Memphis, lived across the river there uh, in West Memphis for the first 20 years of my life. Um, you know, that's where I'm from. My family's buried there and shit. You know, that's, that's my town. Uh, and what I think, were you, how old were you when the murders took place? In well, it was 1993, I believe. Right. <clears throat> right. Um, I was eight years old. Uh, and I actually, um, had went to Cub Scouts with one of the kids. Uh, I think it was Michael Moore. Um, I'm not, sh- I believe that's the name. There's a picture of him in the Cub Scouts uniform somewhere. Um, no, but there's yeah. actually the Cub Scouts uniform was found at the scene of the crime. Yeah. So yeah. Was yeah. One of the I was actually in, but yeah. it's also kind of chilling that you were eight years old too, because I was eight years old. Yeah. I was the exact same age as the victims when they were murdered. And it's kind of hard to explain. Um, because if you didn't really live in that town, you don't really understand, um, fully. Uh, and there's been some movies made about it. Of course, if I, you know, paradise lost and all that stuff. Um, but it was like a complete lockdown. You couldn't go outside and play without being watched by your parents for like a year and a half or more. Um, the whole town was locked down. Like there was just a, um, an edge in the air. Um, it was, it was really something that, um, that was strange. I mean, I was, it was, it kind of uh, affected your childhood. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you were free to go play, do whatever you want all around. And then, you know, people are looking for the next murder and, you know, some other kid might get killed. And it was really, it was paranoia to the extreme, uh, in West Memphis. And of course I was the same age as the kids too. So, like my parents were just fucking excuse my French there, um, really concerned with my safety, uh, and so yeah, it was it was it was wild. Um, but yeah, go ahead and tell people. Uh, and again, we could go. Th- we're gonna go through it all. But tell them your your thesis and how you got involved with the case. Well, I was a stu- I was studying Alistair Crowley at the time. I was actually researching my book when I came across a video from Paradise Lost that showed a Damien Eccles question about Alistair Crowley, and that really piqued my kind of interest in the case. I didn't know much about the West Memphis Three murders. I had just learned of things online. I had watched the original Paradise Lost documentaries back in, I think, 96. I didn't really think much of it. Uh, This is about the 2012, 2013, and the West Memphis Three had been let out of jail in August 2011. But the, the, the involvement of Alistair Crowley really was like, oh, what's this? 
And I really just believed that they had gotten off on a technicality. I did not know the real details, what had happened. So fortunately for me, I was able to go through all the court documents, which were located at Callahan 8K online. So you're able to read the court documents and all the police records. Somebody had, had scanned those in and put them on the internet. So once I was reading that, I got a completely different different impression about the case. Also, I can I ask you, can out. I pause you real quick and ask you, because I can tell Discord's clipping you and it's going to keep clipping you. Do you see the little cogwheel next to the headphone icon? The little settings wheel next to the, <clears throat> should be next to your username. Look in the bottom left of the Discord window. Oh, at the ADL center or go to Discord? No, Discord itself. Um, Let's see. It'll say user settings. It's I'm right now. Discord. Yeah, so you see your name down at the bottom, your icon. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes. Now go to the cog wheel. You see that? Uh, user settings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, hit that. And then go to voice and video. And then pull your, um, you see where it says automatic. I see it, yeah. Yep. Unclick the automatically determined input sensitivity. Pull it all the way back to the left. And then you should be good to go without clipping. Okay. How does that sound? That sounds so much better. Yeah, it just it's just every once in a while. Yours oh, wasn't cool. as bad as some people's, but it's enough to I, I could see people getting upset. <laughs> so I just want okay, to go ahead and clear it up. Understand. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Okay, go ahead. Good. Now go so ahead. As long as that's better. Yeah, it's good. Well, so then I just started researching the case, and that kind of put together a whole. I had some background in Crowley, and uh, I saw the case much differently than what the documentaries would lead you believe. There were three documentaries for people who don't know. All produced by HBO. Right. Paradise Lost was the first, and so they uh, painted this picture of these parents being involved. But uh, me reading through the case and looking through the appeals process and the actual Supreme Court of New York's decision, uh, a lot of the statements were uh, transparently false. And so I was pretty shocked that these guys got let out of jail. They actually pled guilty in 2011, which is a kind of a strange. They got out on an Alfred plea, which is um, right. Um, I don't know if you've read what an Alfred plea is. Basically, they fuck. I don't know. I don't want to describe it wrong. Let me just fucking Google it. Um, the case, the case, the case was a, a case from New, North Carolina. It was North Carolina versus Alfred. It's not Alfred. It's A L Alfred. Yeah, Alfred A L F O R D. An Alfred plea. In, right. And in, what the case? Yeah. Go ahead. You can tell him. Go ahead. All it is is what it does is that you can plead guilty, but you can publicly claim your innocence. Right. But I can, you know, but it's still a guilty plea as far as the law is concerned. It's really so strange. Pled guilty yeah. Yeah. Basically, they pled guilty, uh, but you're still allowed to say, wink, wink, I'm not actually guilty. I'm just doing this to get out of jail. And so right. that's what they did. And they let them out of jail. Damien Eccles was right. on death row. Um, and right. the other two were not on death row. Um, if you've ever watched the Paradise Lost movies, particularly the first one, um, Eccles is very, um, I, flamboyant, I guess you might say combative. I'm not sure, uh, what, how you would describe it, but, um, um, there's my, the, my impression is that he was the ringleader. He was older. Well, than I mean, that's why years. they, yeah, that's why they said they put him on death row for that reason, but he was also the most like, well, he was over 18. Yeah. 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 That too. Yeah. I think the other two were you, 17, right? If yeah. you watch, if you watch that documentary, there's a sequence of him sitting next to Jason Baldwin and he looks twice the size of Jason Baldwin, like a, like a full adult and Baldwin looks like he hasn't even hit puberty. So he's bigger and taller than him. And Miss Kelly was not a, a person of larger stature. So, 
Now I'll tell you um, this: I grew up uh, when when it happened. You know, the whole town thought they were guilty. Like there was just no doubt about it. Really, um, lock them up and throw away the key. I mean, there was a lot of people that wanted to do more than lock them up. Let's be real here. <laughs> that would be right. a common type of conversation that you might hear in town, actually. Um, and you know, there was no doubt. But the more that came out, and I'll tell you when it happened. It was the Paradise Lost movie when it came out in '96. Yes, and. It was, uh, I didn't have HBO at that time. Uh, we had cable, but we didn't have HBO. And I remember like getting the tape and it gotten passed to my grandma. She didn't have HBO either. She got it, got it taped from someone and she was watching it. And then I watched it. Um, and I still remember it because it's very hard to forget when you see it, they go through the crime scene photos. I had never seen any of this stuff. Um, and it's just, it's searing sticks in your mind, but that is what kind of got the movement going to get them out of jail. Um, and again, I, you know, I kind of turned into, oh, these guys were railroaded. Um, and you know, the Miss Kelly, um, confession, you know, they interviewed him for like, I don't even know how many hours and stuff like that. Um, so I just, you know, well, kind of, you have to kind of watch out for the, you got to watch out for the fictional aspects of the case. Well, tell us, that's that what I'm saying. I want to, so now my right. position is they, you know, I do think that they were kind of railroaded, um, but a little bit at least. And I, whole, don't, I don't okay, think well, they were railroaded right. at all. Were, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, but I'm still not sure they didn't do it either. Um, so that was my other part of it. Um, but yeah, go ahead and well, give here's your the thesis. Thing. Do, you know, do, you know, do you know that Jesse Miss Kelly confessed after being found guilty multiple times on audio? Um, no, I did not know that actually. Okay. Well, that's an, a very important fact. Because after he was found guilty, they were tried separately. So there were two cases that involved 24 jurors. So Miss so Kelly, Ms. Kelly they tried him first, right? Correct. And then yep. they tried the other two. Um, there was something to do with the evidence that was being used. You couldn't try all three together. So they bifurcated the, the court trial. But after Miss Kelly got arrested, I mean, got convicted by 12 people in a jury, he was being taken to jail. He confessed that they did it to the two cops that were in the car driving him to somewhere in Jonesboro where the, the trials took place. And yeah, they did it in a started... separate jurisdiction because they said they couldn't get a fair trial in Crittenden County, which is where West Memphis is. But, yeah, go ahead. They probably couldn't. I mean, I think honestly. No, I think that was the right. No, they couldn't. No, dude, they could not have gotten a fair trial in West Memphis. That would be absolutely true. <laughs> like, I, I, It's hard to even convey here, the, the level of hatred the, towards bro. these people. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's justified. I mean, Eccles was uh, already under probation. He had already been arrested, uh, kind of taking over. He was arrested in an abandoned trailer, and he had already had a record, and he threatened people. He'd been in three mental institutions. So he was in two mental institutions or two, two, two times in a mental institution in Arkansas and another all the way in Oregon. He was thrown into a mental. So the guy has a five. Have you heard of the 500-page exhibit about his mental health issues? I have heard a little bit about that. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I mean, I'm not as well versed in it as you certainly, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm here. I'm going to teach you about it. Please do. Yeah. That's that what 500 I page, I'll yeah. listen, let me listen. Go ahead. Uh, 500 pages, 500 pages was compiled by his defense team for his capital punishment uh, appeal. And that was compiled and say, this guy is not actually may not actually have been saying at trial. And it was actually by another external psychiatrist from california who said that he was unfit at trial now they made that argument so uh that 500 pages is known as exhibit 500 and i suggest people read through it because you're going to see 
a person who, in my opinion, shows that he's very capable of uh, committing this crime, that he wasn't railroaded, that he wasn't wearing black, that he wasn't into heavy met just heavy metal, but was into all kinds of other stuff. So that's a very important. Then we can go back to the Miss Kelly statements, the Miss Kelly uh, confessions post-conviction that are recorded where he's saying they did it in front of his own attorney. So his attorney is saying in this audio, Jesse, don't confess. And he said, I want something done about it, Jesse said. And so he tells the story over again. So he's confessed over like six times to doing it over and over again. There wasn't just one so-called confession. And there's a lot of uh, misinformation surrounding the original confession because the police went to his house and asked for permission from his father to be taken in to the police station where he confessed. All right, now... Okay, and that's also recorded. Now let's... Let me go through these. There's a few super chats as well. We're going to take callers. Again, I used to be so well versed on this. I'm not going to lie. I'm not as it's I'm it's not as sharp as it used to be. Um and I, I guess this to me the the evolution of it though uh to where now uh, if you go to West Memphis um it's not the same. It's not like 90% they did it, you know. It's a lot different. Actually, I would say it was probably more like 99 point nine percent back in 93 i don't know anybody who said they didn't do it besides like their family members or whatever like literally i can't think of anybody who went to bat for these guys yeah Yeah, it's important that you say that too because it's a slow process using pr propaganda they actually raised so much money between 10 and 20 million dollars nobody knows the true sum but all of these hollywood figures who supported them and got this great appellate attorney um really changed the public opinion and they were all kinds of people saying that they're innocent but if you look at the actual facts and evidence over the whole time that uh i think it conclusively shows based upon the fact that they're guilty and still under probation until 2021 they're still under probation why now let me ask you this um the satanic panic you know so to speak aspect or whatever I, i think that's a you know a harsh term that they're using to dismiss it or whatever. I don't, I don't, it's a loaded term. It's a loaded term. Well, I, I, I will say that I, I've been, I was fairly dismissive of that too. When, the, when they went through and you know, the way it's framed in the movies, you know, it's like, Oh, they use this to railroad these guys and satanic panic. And Oh, it's just this Southern town, which I didn't like necessarily the way they framed West Memphis, but um, it, all of these Southerners, they don't know what's going on. they, you know, they're crazed about the devil and, you know, they don't read down there or whatever. And, well, of course, the, they got tri- the Hollywood, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's right. what they right wing, flyover, yeah. conservative. You're all hillbillies. That's literally shine. Yeah. And literally racists and KKK members when the population of West of Memphis was substantially African-American. Is my oh, yes, it is. Yeah, it's like 60 I to 70 percent. But, yeah, um, let me ask you this. Uh, what about this satanic shit? You said how it relates to the West, West Memphis Three, right? Like, was there right. some so, real satanic shit involved? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You got to read my book because I detail all the uh, facts that were compiled by the police, talking to all these variety of people. But these guys used to go out to an old cotton gin called Stonehenge. Are you familiar with that, Ralph? Does that ring a bell? Wait, at say all? that part again, because uh, somebody pinged me on Twitter. Say that last bit again. Stonehenge. I heard that part. There was an old. There was an old cotton gin they yeah, used yeah, to yeah. call Stonehenge. It was like, do you remember that? I mean, I don't remember, but I mean, I don't remember it from when I was eight, but I know it now. Yeah, yeah, I knew it later okay. on. Yeah, yeah. But it's somewhere there that they used to have, and they they decorated with a bunch of downward facing pentagrams, and there was all this stuff there, and they're supposedly eating dogs and sacrificing dogs, and that was the testimony of Jesse Miss Kelly. 
Um, so these guys were into some heavy duty stuff. And even, even um, Eccles himself said he drank, he licked the blood. Um, he says that on a video and you can see it on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey investigates. You can see all my videos that I've researched that, but Alistair Crowley was this occultist who lived in 1875. He died in 1947 and he left this compilation of uh, magical workings. And he became the head of a bunch of secret societies. He actually became the head of something called the Ordo Templi Orientis, which is a German secret society and became its head in the twenties until his death in 1947 in Hastings in England. But he also started something in the AA. Well, if you read through some of the information in my book, Damien Eccles, while he was in jail, was a member of the OTO and actually had a library named after him in the OTO chapter in Arkansas. And he recently stated that he was a member of the AA. So he was in two of these magical fraternities. The AA is very original and unique in the fact that to be a member, you reach out to another member and he becomes your guide to teach you everything about that system. And that's it. That's the only joining. So it's just an international body that really doesn't meet anywhere other than somebody who is a mentor and somebody who's a master. And so Damien Eccles was part of that. And it gets even deeper. If you look at all the tattoos of Damien Eccles and all of his associations, you're talking about, I mean, people like Genesis P. George. I don't know if you've heard of his name. He was the head of uh, the Temple of Psychic Youth. But Damien Eccles was in a movie with him called IRL. And they were in a kind of pawn shop and he was holding a gun. And some people th- said that was a violation of his probation because he's supposed not supposed to have weapons. Um, but it just goes very deep. And in the, in the, there's a very interesting statement by a guy by the name of Alvis Clem Bly, who was brought into the police. And they said, these guys had magical books that they were in a cult and the police documents and in the police documents show that these police officers were trying to ascertain who was in this group. And who was in this cult group? And uh, so there's a lot of very sketchy stuff in, involved with that. And Damien Eccles had a downward-facing pentagram tattooed on his chest. Like, he well, literally had these these brutal, you know, homemade tattoos. And I, I want to say that one of the reasons um, that the town was so on edge is because um, you, you kind of alluded to that there. The police wanted to know who else was involved uh, as well. Um, and so, I mean, if you accept that they did the murders and so they're like, they're, there's going to be another murder. Like there's going to be, they're going to try to do something else. Like there's still a fucking psychotic devil worshiping cult out there. And we just caught a few of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, good point. Because in my opinion, there were others involved at the scene that it was a setup and that other people, because the night of the murders, if you look through a lot of these documents, there was somebody in stone, he was known as the Bojangles man. He showed up at a restaurant close That's to right. the scene of the crime. It was at Bojangles, covered... actually, I believe, is, is the restaurant. Uh, there's right. A... They called yeah. him, right. They yeah. called him a Bojangles. Man. He, was right. black. he showed up in the bathroom, and he was covered in blood and excrement. And he, he stayed in the bathroom, and they called the police, and they hadn't found the bodies of the kids. So the, the children were found the next day in a drainage ditch out of the place called Robin Hood Hills. Robin Hood Hills, kind yeah. of so, but the night before the cops went and said, what's this weird guy doing with blood in our bathroom? And there was also a report of a strange person who took a taxi ride for like 400 miles out of West Memphis. Like he just wanted to get out and the taxi was like, that was the longest ride I've ever taken in the guy. There was a cash. lot of strange shit like that, William. Um, like, yeah, I no. mean, that's crazy. I mean, that just doesn't, I don't know. There's I think all kinds of statements. Yeah. Look, there were statements of people. There used to be like a place, an apartment building across the way. 
And people who were quizzed at the apartment said people were going in and out of this forest. You know, some people had black cloaks. They thought they heard chanting. There was all kinds of rumors and all kinds of things going on. And Eccles and his two cohorts, Baldwin and Miss Kelly, were seen walking around, like acting like druids. They had these long staves they would walk around with. And they all they never drove, so they were always walking around to and fro around West Memphis and through different parts. There was a huge trailer park in Lakeshore. They stood at Lakeshore. I know exactly where Lakeshore is, of course. Um, it's yep. right when you go into Marion. Yep. That's right where they there found the overpass. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically when yeah, you're going into Echoes Marion. About... No, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, Eccles lie about stuff because he used to live in an apartment right across from the Robin Hood Hills. So he was very well acquainted with that. You could look out of his apartment complex, which no longer exists, and see that area where the kids died. And it's an important tie into Crowley because Crowley wrote in Magic and Theory and Practice his probably most seminal or most important and well-referenced work on magic that he writes about human sacrifice in multiple places, but he said the ideal human sacrifice is a young child around the age of eight. And who God dies in these things is the young child eight who are rich, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. ritually tied up because uh, they were tied they were yeah, they were tied and drowned. Yeah. Very important to understand that they were alive before they were drowned. Now, by the way, I just want to say it, this. I don't think I fully explained. I just assumed maybe that people knew about the West Memphis Three. The West Memphis Three are the three guys, uh, Damian Eccles, Jesse, Miss Kelly, and Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, I think. Um, uh, those are the three yeah. guys who got convicted for the murder, but those are the West Memphis Three. But they killed, well, they were alleged to have killed uh, three little boys, uh, and they were found bind and tied, and basically they've been drowned. He's about to go through that part, but I just assume people know. It was a triple homicide of three small children. So um, they were killed all at once? Right. It wasn't yes, like one after the no, other? No, they were killed at the same, they were rounded up and killed together. They watched each other die, basically, yeah. Um, right in the, in the evening, right, and one died of the really the most horrific thing, which they showed at the trial, is that his penis and the genitals yeah. was degloved. So, right. yeah, that that was missing, and he bled out. So one died by bleeding out, and the other two were drowned. Yeah, and they Super show brutal. that in the they show that in the what? HBO movie, no. and I'll never forget what? seeing that. Yeah, because I they don't really warn you either. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's not yeah. something you'll forget. But yeah, go ahead. And one was like stabbed in the face, and yeah, so the, yeah, it's really uh, yeah. I, 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 the reason I wanted to put that out is because I wasn't sure that some of the audience actually knew <laughs> what, what we were saying here. Uh, but yeah, anyway, go ahead and, and finish up your thoughts there. We're gonna take some callers too, and I'll read these super chats. Well, you can just go. I mean, my book I detail it up on my okay. uh, YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. I have tons of videos about all different aspects of this case that a lot of people aren't talking about. A lot of people conveniently well, ignore, and it's a really bad way to look at the case by just looking at those biased documentaries on HBO that were not, uh, I don't think that they had any integrity to trying to tell the factual uh, approach of looking at what happened, what led up to May 5th, 1993, and then the arrest on June 3rd, 1993 of all three, and really the trials and what was at trial and what was said at trial and um, the fact that it was appealed, there was this appellate process that it went to the Supreme Court of Arkansas and they affirmed the lower court. So these guys got due process. Um, so the, all of these kind of rumors and innuendos that it was a kangaroo court full of like uh, boss hog 
you know, moonshine swilling racist. Yeah. <laughs> really That's how they portray it. I'm not going to lie. Now, again, I'm not the one to take up the other side. There are people who very staunchly would disagree with you. And again, I don't know. You know, I'm just having a chat. About Most people shit that disagree with me. Most yeah, people yeah exactly. I'm not, ta- I'm not necessarily saying you're right or wrong. I, I'm just saying I don't for sure. I, I'll, I'll tell you my evolution was when I was a kid, of course, Round them, take them away. You know these people are sick. Uh, I was scared, honestly. I mean, I was it was a t- it was a scary situation, really. Um, and it was all everybody talked about for like a year straight. Um, so yeah, that part. Uh, and then as I got older, I was like, all right, these guys are fucked over. Basically, it took me a while to get there. That's that's where I got to. And then I remember I didn't really think it until right around the time, maybe like right when they were getting out. And I was thinking, mm, who else did like I don't know like this doesn't really make any sense. Um, why haven't they caught else? another? Yeah. Why haven't they caught another suspect? <laughs> yeah, why is why haven't they caught another suspect? Why isn't like I haven't really seen anything else like this happen either in the area? Or I mean, did they just one off something like that? That's not usually how it goes. Um, I don't know. There was just it. And again, I'm not saying they did it either. Uh, but I started to say, well, maybe I kind of rushed into the whole they didn't do it 100% thing, you know, trying to be cool or whatever. Uh, and now I'm kind of like undecided, honestly, and maybe that's a pussy way to be, but, um, now yeah, go can ahead, I baby. ask this? Can I ask this? Uh, do you think that they, these guys, obviously you think they did it, but do you think that the, um, the elites or the powerful people or the Hollywood pedos, they jumped in because they believed that this, uh, Good question. They believed it was a good thing to do, or do you think they jumped in because they're Satanists and they're pedos and they're, they're <laughs> evil people and they wanted to protect some of their own? Honestly, in all of the <laughs> interviews I've done on this subject, and it's I'm close to 50 hour-long interviews, that's one of the best questions I've ever had. And no, I'm serious. It was good. Joking. Even midway through, I and, knew where it was going. I said, that's a good question. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and I think it's the latter. I think you're you're on the latter. Part of that is the answer, not the form. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of so where I would here, let, me follow, let me follow up on this. These are the people in Hollywood who supported Amy Nichols. Johnny Depp, Henry Rollins, Margaret Cho. Eddie um, Vedder. Eddie Vedder. And go look in each one of those individually. Go look into Johnny Depp. Go look into his background and the movies he's been in. And the hand signs and the dates and the times and all that stuff. Go look at him. Go look at Henry Rollins with the smiley face on his on his forearm. Go look oh, at Oh yeah, Mark Henry Trump. Rollins is a fucking satanist through and through. Go look at all these people. Go look at them all. And uh you probably will have a tough time sleeping if you actually can put the the true pieces of the puzzle together, not the fiction, not the PR, not the Hollywood spin. Santeria said, excellent episode tonight. Thank you. That's very kind. I know so we don't really talk about true crime stuff. Uh, somebody said this <laughs> so, Somebody said this was because it's just because it's me that's hosting the show and I'm from West Memphis. Yeah, that is the reason. <laughs> but still, that's okay. Uh, all right, now let's keep going. Cooper says, oh, wait, I read that already. Hold on. Let me see where I'm at. Oh, DLive, so kind to skip around and leave me where I wasn't before. I really appreciate that. Hoboken Slough says, James Alsop should shut his lying mouth. 
what he said. I missed that earlier. So shout out to Hobuck and Slav. D Live's acting up on the the actual dashboard, so I had to pop out the the chat. Oh, long story. I won't bore you with it. Nurak says I read that. Hold on, let's keep going. The little tool I'm using seems to be working just fine. Just no, god damn it. Link it again. Fuck. It never works right for me, or it'll work right and then it just breaks <laughs> out of nowhere. But it's it's more stable than this. Uh Okay, sorry. I'll calm down. I'll calm down. Um, let's see. Helpful friend. I read that. Pensive Cowboy says, Ralph, don't say it even though it would be cool. In. <laughs> <laughs> Super Sasha X says, Thonga is a coward. Bibble, stop with the statues. No. <laughs> Max Hall says, how's Vimeo on free speech? What would you say to that, Mr. Ramsey? They've been the best that I've I've experienced considering all the stuff I've gone through on YouTube and Facebook and all these other places. I mean, my my web channel on YouTube, I barely even put stuff up there anymore because oh, they just got rid of all of the links. All of the links that people had to my videos all got stripped, and then they just stopped counting. It's incredible. They just put me into some kind of weird kind of yeah, netherworld you look- uh, jail cell, yeah. You're preaching to the choir here. Obviously, we're not broadcasting. <laughs> we're 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 emanating from dlive.tv slash the Ralph Retort. Now there is a, a a guy who mirrors our stuff and he does other stuff on his own uh, over on Chillstream on Cub. But we're not allowed to to have our own ownership of a YouTube channel, and it's it's sad because you know, of course, that's and that's where we wanted to be, but they didn't want us. They they threw us out in the streets, cold, without even a meal or a bus ticket. They just You're threw not us alone. Yeah, it's sad. And the worst, I, you know, I mean, it's almost better. Yeah, it's almost ahead. better to be formally exiled from YouTube as opposed to not knowing that they're throttling you down to the lowest level. I think because so. For me, it took a while to figure it out. I and think, I can tell you this: I can tell you this that they're totally subjective and biased because unknown to unknown to the the higher ups there, I have two channels where I post the same stuff, and one channel it gets blocked or demonetized, and the other it doesn't. It's really strange. That's another thing. There's no, there's the no real thing. rhyme or reason to it. Like they'll hit you for one thing one no. day, and then they don't hit it for you the next. And then this is cool, but now that's not cool. Oh, no. It's just really weird, and it's playing with people's lives. And I saw somebody today. I didn't even know oh. the creator. I didn't know the guy, but he said I just got demonetized. He was some like Christian comedian or whatever. I forgot his name. It's no. I'm not trying to down him or anything. I just didn't know him. And he said, you know, I just got demonetized on YouTube. This is my main source of income. And they just demonetize me. No rhyme, no reason, no way to gain it back. Um, I think somebody asked Joe Rogan this on, uh, or asked uh, Jack Dorsey this on Joe Rogan. Of course, Jack Dorsey never fucking followed up on it. But they said, okay, so somebody who's kicked off, kicked off these platforms or they're demonetized and, you know, they're out in the gulag or whatever. You fucked up their life. Why is there no way to climb back out of that hellhole either? Like, you're just, you're throwing people out. And I don't know, man, this is just fucked up. Uh, And... There's, there's no way YouTube back is either. Not, my advice to anybody is it's a terrible place to be, YouTube. It Unless is. Unless you do like videos or, you know, ridiculous. If you're doing gaming blog, stuff, like just straight gaming stuff, you'll probably be good. Yeah. If you're doing like just sugary mainstream stuff, you'll probably be good. If you're a left winger, yeah. just doing eating, you know, pushing out propaganda, you'll probably be good. Other than that, you, yep. you know, you're playing with your livelihood and. You know, I know YouTube's got a huge base. It's like the number two website in the world and, you know, app. Everybody has YouTube and stuff. Uh, but for people like us, um, I, I think it actually was good that we got kicked off like that uh, because it got us focused more no, on right. other, I, other I don't options. even. I don't even. 
I don't even swear on any of my things. They're just fact based, and I have interviews and nothing, man. No monetization. I mean, you seem like a pretty straight dude, right? Like you're not. I don't expect you to be dropping a bunch of f bombs, you know, (laughs) whatever. I mean, we do here because that's what we do. But yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm interviewing like current authors and yeah, yeah, things like yeah. That. Super. Uh, it's basically almost academic in a lot of ways. But nope, they will uh, not. They will not think it's good for advertisers. Oh, uh, they wanted me to show this off. This was actually somebody bought me a tittygram. Speaking of uh, uh, off-color content, a <laughs> uh, tittygram. Now they, I didn't, I didn't pay for this. Um, somebody else did because I was saying that wow, you they had bought Rand one or something, bought somebody else one, and then I was like, why don't I have a tittygram? And so they bought me one. Now her tits are really nice. They did point out she does have some veiny hands. I have to say. Um, but she might just be one of those chicks who works out like a lot or whatever, or she might be old. I don't know, but her tits look really nice either way. So, um, there, <laughs> which was the point of the, of the titty gram, right? It wasn't hand gram. Uh, so there they are. Can't abort the retort. Uh, there they go. Uh, and let's see, let me read the rest of these and we'll take in some callers. We got, uh, taken off track by titties. It's happened to the best of us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it can definitely, it can definitely sidetrack you. Uh, Greg Anderson, TKF says, show it off. And it was that he was super chatted for me to do that. Actually. Uh, Johnny J says, what William Ramsey on the kill stream? Unreal. I love this guy's work on the West Memphis three. And then he says guilty. Well, I'm from West Memphis. That's why I brought him on. Somebody actually suggested for you to come on, sir. Uh, and, um, Oh. I was, and we, and we had an open, you know, I just said, Hey, if you want somebody to come on, just super chat, whatever, hit me on Twitter, hit the secretary killstream sec over on Twitter. Um, and you were suggested. And so we hit you up and then, you know, I'd seen that you'd done some work about the West Memphis three. And of course, um, I wanted to talk about that. All right, let's see. Uh, faith says Ralph was the real murderer all along. That is not true. Um, although if I had done that as an eight year old, that would be pretty impressive just from a technical, like just the logistical standpoint, that would be really impressive now the actual heinous murders and stuff like that that wouldn't be impressive but johnny j says and his work on smiley face killer and crowley awesome guest watches movies now let me ask you about the smiley face killer because i don't even know what the fuck that is um well it's it's got that kind of name by two guys who investigated the murder the well the disappearance and water deaths of young college-age men the two guys were gilbertson and gannon gilbertson is a criminal law a criminal professor in Minneapolis and Gannon was a, a detective in New York. And they noticed these similarities where these young men were being found and the close to where they were being found there oftentimes was this smiley face symbol. So it got this phenomenon, got the name, the smiley face killers. And so I've done two videos or two documentaries about that subject on my video Vimeo page. The first one is the smiley face killers who is abducting, torturing, and killing college-age men in the U.S. and U.K. And the second one is Smiley Face Killers Volume 2, The Global Slaughter Continues. And they're reasonably priced, good pandemic pricing, $5 each if you want to watch. <laughs> pandemic <laughs> but, pricing, alliter- alliteration, yeah. sir. It never gets old. Go ahead. Thank you. But, but um, it's five hours of material, but you show that there's literally hundreds of men, younger college-age men in the U.S., U.K., and all around the world who are out at night drinking, They either get separated from their friends or literally drugged by GHB or Rohypnol, get abducted, are kept somewhere for a time, 
and then deposited in water. And the police have called those accidental drownings. And in certain cases, those so-called accidental drownings happen 40 days after they were missing. Um, so I go in and show all of these shortcomings in these police investigations all over the country. And they actually just uh, busted this guy earlier this year. His name was Katunsky outside of Lansing, Michigan, literally abducted a dude by the name of Kevin Bacon and kept him in a dungeon and ate his testicles. What? What? Yep. Katunsky, look him up. K-A-T-U-N-S-K-I out of Michigan. And I suspect he's probably involved in some of these other smiley face deaths, but there's no proof of that. I just think that it was probably not a first time off. But my speculation in my original film, which came out in 2017, was that there's a dungeon. These people are involved in heavy-duty S&M. They're into men. And that's why all of these kids, uh, young people who are getting abducted typically are like athletic, you know, good-looking, young. There's never anybody obese. So that's the real pattern of all this. And Gilbertson and Gannon have pointed that out. And I show them on Dr. Oz and uh, Phil, Dr. Phil, these guys, you know, so they've been around. They were really the original authors of the book. That's probably the most important book to read about it, which is Case Studies in Forensic Drowning, where they show that these guys have been drugged. And one of their victims was frozen. So somebody had taken the body and frozen it to confuse the police and then throw it in the water so that they could throw off the time of like somebody decaying. But there's been really important cases that are very easy to show that something else was involved in mere drowning. Uh, one is by a guy by the name of Dakota James in Pittsburgh. And fairly recently, 2018, I think, is when he died. He was missing for 40 days. He was found in the Ohio River, but he hadn't de- decomposed. His skin was actually still white. Like, if he was in the water for 40 days, his body would have been in really bad shape. Um, so uh, these cases are really happening, and it's a really a warning to, you know, I'm an older guy. I'm over 50. But to younger people right now, the, because of the pandemic, People aren't out at bars, but before it can get very dangerous, not just for women, but for men as well. You know what? I knew you were a little bit older, but you sound younger. I don't know why that's weird, but he does. He does. He sounds like he got some vigor. You got some, you got some vigor though. Like I I was listening to your voice. Like he doesn't sound like, anyway, go ahead, Bibble. Sorry. I cut you off to say that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the way that I kind of research, you know, I'm a member of the state bar of California. I am an attorney. So I do put that kind of like. Let's look at all the facts, look at the timeline, let's see what's really happening, and is it different than these other stories? And I think that the Smiley Face Killers is probably one of the most important true crime stories that hasn't been told in the history of true crime. Like, literally, somebody is serial, they're active serial killers stalking and murdering men in dungeons with a kind of ease where they've confused the police and have been doing it for decades. And I think they're networked through the dark web. I think that they're probably talking to each other about their kills through different terms and different ways. And the police have not been able to keep And Katunsky, this guy who was busted in 2020, was actually the first one. And it's pretty fascinating. And I have to give credit to the police in Michigan because they were really smart. I even remember the, the police chief's name was Kaiser because when they went to his house, they asked, they, they looked around and they, they, they somehow knew that there was a secret room in the in the basement. Like they found his dungeon and that's where they found the body. And it's interesting too, because Kevin Bacon, the real Kevin Bacon actor, uh, was kind of involved in this disappearance of uh, the, this victim, Kevin Bacon. Wait, wait how, is, how <laughs> wait. is he involved? Hold yeah. on. 
Yeah, no, you got to you got to check this out. You got it on my Smiley Face Killers Volume Two movie where Kevin Bacon's in there, and also this guy Jeffrey Star. Do you know who Jeffrey Star is? Uh, yeah, I do yes. actually. Yeah, the makeup guy. Yeah. They were both kind of yeah. So they were both kind of falling because the victim was, you know, uh, I don't know, far left hair dyeing type. You know, one of these characters. So and he oh, was yeah. on. And there's there's a real tie between these victims and Grinder. So these guys go on Grinder and some they walk into a trap. And all these guys, Dakota James and Joey Labute out of Columbus, Ohio. I don't know where you guys are located. I'm there's in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, they don't tell where they're at because okay. they're secretive. But I, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, myself. But, yeah. But there's been cases in D.C., New York, Florida, Columbus, Ohio. Pittsburgh, PA, a lot in Michigan, and really just all over the place. So it's a really crazy story. Smiley face killers. Let me ask you this about uh, Satanism in general, if you don't mind. So there's a, a there's a theory that they that all this stuff that they do is kind of where they have to get your engagement. It's almost like a like a magic trick, like with Epstein, where he you know, they could have just made him disappear, right? They could have just completely made him disappear right. oh, and said, oh, he, he managed to escape the country. We'll never see him again. And he'd be in a ditch like Jimmy Hoffa or some shit. But what they do is they put him in a room. It's like it's it's like a magic trick. They put him in a room where he's supposed to be guarded 24 hours a day. All the cameras go out. All the guards fall asleep. He ends up dead. And then they say, well, that's that. And it's like, by by doing this, they kind of make you complicit in it. So that way people won't riot because if they had just done a Jimmy Hoffa thing, maybe it would spark something in people. But because they do this and they tell you, yes, we've done it essentially. I mean, they've all but told, yes, the, we've killed this person. You are less likely to do something about it. Do you think that's like part of their spirit cooking shit? I think so. I think in part, absolutely. And I do think uh, Epstein had to die. I don't think he could go to trial. And he was actually putting up a vigorous defense. He had really good attorneys. This one guy, Reed Weingarten, like a serious criminal defense attorney. Like, he, I think he was going to fight it. And he was probably pulling in his chits. And I think people were nervous then. I think they're nervous about Ghislaine Maxwell as well. And there's some occultism involved in Jeffrey Epstein. Like, he had a statue of Pan. Somebody saw in Ghislaine Maxwell's closet, like a black cloak. I mean, God knows what they're doing. I know she's hanging out with Kevin Spacey, who is hyper sketchy. If you look at his stuff, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're both sitting he, on like a throne in in one of the queen's palaces. I mean, it's a real, it's a it's a real insult to the king and queen in in, in England. I mean, I don't know why Prince Andrew is doing that, but these guys are involved in all kinds of depravity and child trafficking, and probably arms trafficking, organ trafficking, but there's definitely a thing of occultism there, man. There's definitely weird things on that island, that weird blue and gold temple. had it. Dude, we showed that on the show. Point. It's crazy as fuck, man. Like, something's going on there. They did all kinds of rituals there. There's Dude, no doubt had, in my mind. Like, I'm usually not I'm, even that guy no that goes doubt. into the devil worshiping shit or whatever. They were doing some satanic shit down there. There's no doubt in my mind. Right? Am yeah, I On certain dates, and I think, I, I think, Ralph, I saw on that temple before it got taken apart, there was a statue of Horus, of like the the, yes. the yeah. Egyptian god Horus, the hawk-headed god. So that's a real in- indicator of a knowledgeable um, occultist that goes back to original like masonry and kind of Crowleyism too. All right.
Now, let so, me take yeah, some. There's, there's real problems there. Let me get some callers in here. We'll take a few callers. Uh, we have some other stuff. We still haven't covered the. Let me look at the list here. Uh, Alice up in America first. We talked about it a little bit. Um, basically, he wrote a, a big hit piece against uh, America first and kind of tried to tie them in with Milo and stuff yesterday. And Milo's going to be on the show on Monday. He seems eager to respond. Um, so we'll have that for you. And we'll, we'll talk about the article and some other things we'll take calls on that if people want to talk about that too we have a lot of news and i keep i have stories that have been piling up since monday bibble and they keep piling up and they just keep (laughs) getting rotated over to the next day and i'll say i'll hit this up tomorrow no big deal whatever that's good it'll be left over for tomorrow yeah and the jelaine gizlane whatever the fuck her name is the maxwell reddit thing yeah i have all that queued up too i didn't even put that in the title because i forgot uh, but yeah, that was another big uh, beat that we have to do here as well. All right, let's but it some- might not be Ghislaine Maxwell and the person but that I, I think it is yeah. might shock the chat. Now, exactly. Oh. Now we'll, we'll talk about that too. Now let's let's take some calls though. Great guests. Also, I love the guests that yeah, we've thank had this you so week. Much for coming on, yeah, I, I really uh, appreciate. Oh, it. Bro. I don't think I'm a crazy person when no. I talk about Satanism and stuff. No, no. You know what? When I booked this guy, I was thinking this would be a good guest. Bibble will enjoy this guest too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. I do, I do. I'm, I'm dead serious. When I booked it, I was like, "Yeah, this will be a good one for Bibble." Uh, well, so the bl- smiley face killers were theorized for a long time because, uh, and what a lot of people think is that they are hyper intelligent uh, serial killers. Because when you look at serial killers, almost all of them drop out of college. Almost all of them have these certain patterns that they follow. But um, you know, they're all supposedly intelligent. But the idea is, what if there are serial killers who don't drop out of college, who maybe don't have as much prefrontal lobe damage where they can control some of their actions and they don't necessarily become like the uh, Madoffs of the world, but they just become highly effective uh, serial killers. And so, yeah, I mean, I had heard about point. I, one of the One of the people a lot of people don't know about who I, I kind of focused on uh, as being what you just described was a guy by the name of Peter Christofferson out of the UK, whose dad was a college professor. And this guy was super smart, but he would actually study um, forensic manuals on his spare time. Like he was studying call, you know, post-collegiate forensic manuals, trying to figure out how to do things. And I think that that's how they came into this whole MO regarding the smiley face killers is that they could commit killings and get away with it knowing the forensics of a water death where somebody would just go, Oh, it was just a drowning. So he was a very smart guy, but he also directed this video called broken that uh, was for Trent Reznor. And I feature it on the cover of my first documentary, but the MO of the smiley face killers is the same pattern of what I think is happening uh, in broken where a young man is, they're driving around a young man is abducted put in a dungeon, tortured. And some of these deaths do have the elements of torture. If they actually pull some of these autopsies, they've clearly been tortured. And uh, that's really one of the oversights of the Smiley Face Killers is that these that one of the reasons of putting in the water is to allay a proper autopsy or investigation. If the police are too um, lazy or slovenly, they'll just bag the person and say it was a you know drowning. But yeah, there's this guy's really intelligent. Peter Peter Christopherson, and get this, he was part of a couple bands. So he's traveling from city to city constantly. And it's really the perfect cover. Yeah. No, it's the perfect cover for a multi-jurisdictional killer. I'm not saying that he was, but you gotta follow this guy. And a Crowley lover, no less, high-end occultist, homosexual, 
Um, really, you know, they're out there, just like this guy Kentonsky who I was telling you about. So you can see about that in the spot. Where can, where can we find these uh, documentaries of yours? They're all on Vimeo. So the title of that one is The Smiley Face Killers. Well, there's one and two. I just did a recent one this year as a follow-up. But if you type in vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash smiley face, S-M-I-L-E-Y-F-A-C-E, you'll see um, the original Smiley Face Killers documentary that I did in 2017. Nice. And by the way, Bibble, I think you might should do a show with him too. Uh, that that would be good for you guys to go into. I mean, you know a little bit more about this true crime stuff than I do. That might be a good show as well um, on a Sunday. I know you do your shows on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah I like you know me. I like scary stories, and the scariest shit is uh, what people actually do, not this uh, you know crazy. Yeah. Smiley face killers is really scary because even if you look at Dakota James, there's a really good article about his death in the Daily Beast by an author by the name of. Nicole Wisensey Egan, E-J-E-G-A-N, about Dakota James, because it's the most terrifying thing. I think the kid was targeted, like before he was abducted, somebody did like a pre-trial, like they they invited him somewhere with a black SUV. That's a crazy story. And he was like, he woke up from something being drugged, saying, I don't know where I am. He called his friend, can you come pick me up? It's crazy. You got to read that article. Dakota, type in Dakota James, Daily Beast, E-G-A-N, Egan, and read that story about Dakota James because I cover him in the Smiley Face Killer. So uh, really chilling, really chilling true crime. All right, let me read these. We'll take a couple callers. We'll get out of here. Let's see. Well, we'll get the guests out of here. We still have some other stuff to co- cover. Uh, let me see what I have here. Cooper uh, says, does Crawley worship Cain, the guy who killed Abel? I didn't see that in his writings. I've had the misfortune of reading most of the stuff that he's written. He was a voluminous writer. And uh, what he said in 1904 is that the most important event happened to him where some being called AWAS, A-I-W-A-Z, intoned behind his back, and he wrote a book called The Book of the Law. It was on three sections. And one of the gods that supposedly talked to him was Horus, right? So we talked about Horus earlier. So the Horus is like the hawk-headed god. But that was really... Um, who he was talking to, but he had all kinds of weird um, extra dimensional, I would call them extra dimensional. Somebody would probably call them extraterrestrial, but alien like or demon like encounters all through his life with these beings. And he actually drew one that looked exactly like a gray alien in 1918 after he did something called the Alamantra working. And he used to actually draw these things when he would go out in the astral plane and come back and write them down. It was really crazy, man. He had a, he was really a sorcerer magician. I mean, and that a lot of these people, because he never really worked and had an inheritance, he was able to really focus on occultism his whole life and compile stuff. And that's why so many modern magicians look back to him as kind of like a foundational, like you go through Crowley and then build on it like Scientology. L. Ron Hubbard loved Aleister Crowley. He was always reading his stuff. And the process church. I mean, you can just go through all these people who Kenneth Anger. And I cover that in Children of the Beast, but it's really a, a fascinating thing. But he does admit, if you read my book, Prophet of Evil, he basically admits that Awas is Satan. He calls Awas Satan, and that's my God, and that's my Lucifer. So he was not like a kind of caricature of a Satanist, like um, LaVey or something like that, like a goateed, bald headed person, although Crowley was bald later on in his life. 
he was far too intelligent to engage in that kind of kind of sloppiness. He shielded himself and blinded a lot of his writings. So once you understand his the way that he would write in code, then you can figure out what he really meant. But the the being AWAS was one of these um, codes that he used. AWAS is actually the Lord of the Air. If people are familiar with the Bible, uh, the devil is actually re- referred to as the Lord of the Power of the Air in the Bible. So you can kind of see these crossover similars. And Crowley himself knew the Bible very well. He actually knew it. Uh, he was born into a really hardcore Christian sect, but he adopted all this stuff like uh, the Beast and the Scarlet Women and from Revelation and adapted it into his his new religion. He called Palima. It's really crazy. It's right, like how uh, Karanzan is the uh, you know the abyss. That's another that's another right. thing taken from Revelation. Right. right. Well, that's a good point because he's supposedly in the desert of Algeria, invoked Karanzan. Uh, the Lord of the Abyss and had some meeting with him with another guy by the name of Victor Newberg. So you kind of got to take what he's saying with a grain of salt. But like I said, like he's, he's recording all of these extra dimensional contacts, you know, from when he started really practicing magic and probably 1895, pretty much all the way up until 1940s. All right, let me read this. Red Pill says, many of these celebs get lured into honeypots and lied to about the age. After they are compromised, many of them become so demoralized that they fuck kids because they can. Uh, well, I, I don't know. But uh, Red Pill says, Saturn is the god of Masons, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. He demands a blood sacrifice in exchange for worldly pleasures and insight. That's not true. That's not true. Well, I mean, he paid me to read it. I, I, and then he says, this will not That's sound bad shit crazy soon. Don't get stuck in the cube. Go ahead. You want to respond, though. Go ahead. Well, it's fine. I know what he's, re- he's referring to the cube of Saturn, but to say yeah, that the I god know. of Christianity is Saturn is, is, there's no reference point of that anywhere in the New Testament. I, you know, I, I know that, you know, Saturn is kind of like a, you know, like a representation of Satan, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe at the, some elements of these fake Christian religions, like, uh, I don't know, some of these other things. I, I, but I think that the, the way it's written in the New Testament, there's no reference to Saturn at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know where that's coming from. But again, um, you know, maybe he has some knowledge I'm not aware of and, he gave me three dollars, well, you know, so can, I like that. I like that. He gave that. He gave me three dollars, but so, <laughs> so obviously he's very close. I don't know where he is on the spectrum, or you know, of knowledge and ideology, but he's so close to the truth. Uh, he's so close. He three dollars to the Ralph retort. You know, I, I think that uh, I think that you're on the right path, sir. Life, <laughs> life in hell says great guest Ralph. Could you ask William if he's ever read the Manson file by Nicholas Shrek or has looked into the Manson case? I have. I'm aware of that, and I have looked into Manson. And really, one of my more, I think, an, an important aspect of the Manson family that's overlooked or not understood is the connection between Bobby Boozley, Kenneth Anger, and Charles Manson. So Bobby Boozley was arrested for the murder of Gary Inman. But Bobby Boozley was the representation of Lucifer in Kenneth Anger's, uh, what, which, which one was it? It was Lucifer Rising. I think he was supposed to be in it, but then he got arrested. But he was in Invocation of My Demon Brother, and you can see the video of that. And Kenneth Anger flat out said he's a warlock, and he's also a Crowley follower, and was friends with all of these people who were associated with Jack Parsons and knew a lot of Crowley's uh, followers. He was actually inducted 
by a guy by the name of Gerald York, who was a right-hand man of Crowley for a couple of years at least. So Manson himself was actually a clear in Scientology. So if you if you accept the statement of Hubbard's son that Hubbard himself was uh, using black magic to create Scientology, you can say that in part Manson knew a lot about Scientology and also was associated with the process, which is an offshoot of Scientology, which is why some of the strange terms like the family, Manson family, and some of these other were your God and Satan are exactly the same statements that these process heads, you know, state that man is Christ, Satan, God, all in one person. And uh, so Manson, have you ever, if you've ever seen the picture of Manson making this uh, hands, like he knew hand gestures. He talked about Abraxas, this uh, primeval God, like Manson knew a lot. He was actually, I mean, kind of like a jailhouse, knowledgeable jailhouse kind of person where he learned he was an autodidact in a lot of ways, but he seemed to have adapted a lot of these mind control techniques from um, Scientology. I had never heard that in my life. I actually, the Manson stuff is yeah, fascinating to me. I didn't know that at all. Bro, That's, he walked, what? there was a statement by in Buliosi's, in Buliosi's Elter Skelter, there's a statement that two members of the process came to talk to him in jail and that no shit i see i never read helter skelter but i saw i think they made a movie out of it or something based on i saw that when i was a kid because my parents you know they watched old movies and stuff so i saw that selling true crime yeah of all time selling true crime book of all time yeah but now um, go ahead finish your story about the clear tell them about the clear because i cut you off and by the way there's a delay between us so people thought that i'm like constantly speaking over you but there is like a slight like second second and a half delay i think uh that's causing that but anyway go ahead so Hubbard kind of adapted this old secret society system where you advance through the grades, right? But what Hubbard did is made people pay for it, right? So you're paying. That's why Scientology got so rich. That's why I was smart. Well, yeah. <laughs> he actually famously said, if you want to get rich, start your own religion. So he started his own religion. <laughs> he basically flat out stated that. But what what... According to what Buliosi's writing, that means Manson went to the very top and could not learn anything more from Scientology. So he had absorbed all of that information. So he knew all this stuff that Scientology teaches about getting what you want. I mean, it's supposedly black magic, you know, over a period of time. Hubbard was right there with Parsons. They both did the Babylon working, right? I don't know if you've heard of that, but that was back in the desert and Mojave in 1947. And one year later, Hubbard starts Dianetics, 1948. Scientology starts 1950. And Hubbard believed he was the one who came after, mentioned in Crowley's Book of the Law. So he was following up on the work of Crowley after Crowley died in 1947. And It's an incredible timeline. What do you think about the idea that Crowley kind of laid the groundwork for other, other spirits to come through or to confuse people into contacting spirits? Uh, like, you know, uh, that it was a direct uh, link to things like the Seth material and stuff like that. I don't fully know. I don't know that connection. I do know that one of the process guys was like literally in contact with other entities. His name was Timothy. (coughs) And he said that he knew Crowley, but I know that uh, followers of Crowley knew how to con like, like I've learned about magic. Like they're definitely trying to contact entities. No joke. They are literally trying to, contact extra dimensional entities like Crowley was. 
So as far as what's happening today, and there's weird correlations between like the alien mythos or the alien stories of extraterrestrials and the Crowley extra dimensionals. There's some overlaps and similarities. If you look at like that one book communion, whose author I can't remember, it's the same kind of demon kind of shape that Crowley drew this, this gray alien. So like there the, are the... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, uh, it's like the confluence of no, events of the just... Skinwalker rants. Right. Uh, well, it's interesting, too, because there's this event that takes place out in the desert. It's kind of like a meeting in the desert of all these alien or UFO phenomenons. And if you look at the guest list, there's all kinds of flat-out stone-cold occultists, these people who know, like Peter Lavenda. Like, so what is Peter Lavenda doing with all these other UFO aficionados? And it's kind of one of the things that I've learned is like, what are these people's backgrounds? Because Peter Lavenda is, I mean, it's pretty much been confirmed that he was Simon, the writer of the Necronomicon. That's his nom de plume. That's his, that's his pseudonym. All right, let me read through these. We're going to take a couple callers. Um, honestly, we could probably do like a three or four hour stream with you just talking about all these cases and stuff. Um, now, some of the cases you talked about, not the West Memphis Three, obviously, I'm familiar with that, very familiar. Um, some of the other ones, Smiley Face, I don't know a lot about, but I used to watch um, the, before they called it true crime. It was just, you know, a cold case and all this shit on TV uh, and stuff. And 2020 and um, all these programs. There was one on CBS too, not 60 Minutes, but the other one. I can't remember. God damn it. The one they showed during the week. I can't remember the name of it now. But all this true crime shit. Yeah, I grew up with all that shit too. Um, let's see. Uh, Johnny J says, William is great. He pronounces his T so well. He's very well spoken, I have to say. Uh, and I'm not. I just talk a lot of shit, though. That's how I make up for it. Seek and destroy. <laughs> Sick and Destroy says, I can make pay choke on something other than singing. All right, now, wait a minute. That wasn't pay first thing. Now, and that's rude to say in the second, but thank you for the super chat. <laughs> Corsilla 37 says, should have probably started with the stories back. You mean the backstory? Yeah, probably. Oh, he says, should have probably started another super chat. Started with the story's background. The internet is worldwide now. Well, yeah, I mean... The West Memphis Three is a really famous case, but you're right. Technically, I should have set the scene and set it for everybody, but I kind of figured after it got going that if you really wanted to know, you would just pause it and fucking Google the case. But whatever, I I finally did. We did do a reset during the middle and gave the details. Uh, I the reason I did the reset though is because I wasn't fully uh, I I wasn't confident that people realized just how grisly. Uh, this was this is one of the most grisly things you could imagine. Three little boys abducted and taken away and carried away, and not even carried that far away though. Like they were still close to their homes, with you know, right there in West Memphis, and they were murdered and 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 they had to watch each other die. Um, it's one of the most disgusting, heinous crimes you could ever think about in your life. Uh, let's see. Never forgetting the seam says don't care. Yeah. You, I've been seeing you post salty shit all night. I don't care about you posting in chat anymore either. So that'll be my answer to that. The Jolly Jihadi says, did I miss the Alsop story? No, you didn't actually. What's coming up next? Funger Rumples just resubbed for a month and is now on a one month sub streak. Pensive Cowboy says, sorry, Ralph, your titty gram came with a sausage. Uh, Cooper says transigram dope. Thank you. Flash says, now, wait a minute. Uh, and then Flash says, not his fucking nuts, dude. Um, yeah, they did that. Yeah, it was, or whoever did that. Um, 
I think it was multiple people, no matter what, whether you think it was, I, I don't think one person could have done that really. Is that, you know what? That's a fair question. I, just real quick. Do you think one person could have actually done that? No, because there were three boys. So how are you going to correct? I don't know. You would have to be really crafty. I mean, I guess it's possible, but it would be really hard to do. Um, when they're talking about eating the nuts, I thought they meant the uh, smiley face killers one. No, oh, the rumor they... was is that Jason. Yeah, yeah the rumor. Well, at least the statement was. I think it was in the first Miss Kelly confession is that Jason Baldwin took the little boy's testicles and put them in his mouth. Yeah, Jason Baldwin. I said Stephen Baldwin earlier. I mixed that up. Um, yeah, that that's is important. the allegation, and that that's what was being. Man, I was a little kid, and that's what was being talked about in town. That they cut their that they cut the kids' balls off basically and ate them. Yeah. If, um, if, yeah. If you read through, um, if you read through the police files and the statements made they weren't in court but the statements of people who lived there there was a statement that both Eccles and baldwin were raping a 10 year old boy that they were both doing that at around the time they were never prosecuted for it Eccles would get in bushes and take pictures of young girls they had a black back uh briefcase that they kept pictures of people in and drugs i mean and take cameras i mean there was all kinds Dude, of yeah and, and again yeah. That's the reason I brought it up because I I don't I didn't, I didn't I wasn't really sure people understood just how heinous this was, and it man it was I don't know we could do and we probably will have you back actually, um not necessarily talk about that uh, talk about other stuff maybe a follow up on the West Memphis three um it really it really was crazy maybe I should do something on it myself too just living through that um it's something it's like a period yeah. it's like an epoch in my life basically um and i vividly remember everything around it and just how the town was panicked and it's not a normal experience for a kid to just go to no. you know normally oh we're just out playing da, 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 da. i couldn't even walk across the street to my friend's house across the street that's how i mean like right across the street that's how paranoid it was people were scared that their children were going to get abducted and murdered in a satanic ritual and the town was operating like that for like 12 to 18 months uh and it's just i i don't know how to express it any clearer than that <laughs> like I, it, it was just that's, what, that's how long it took to go that's how long it took to go through the entire legal you know process because they didn't get convicted until 1994 yeah exactly so yeah yeah Oh, I remember as a kid seeing front page the Evening Times, which is the uh, local newspaper there in West Memphis. You know, Eccles, a sentence, death row, all that. Like I remember that vividly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pits of Cowboy says guest warning you to be careful on Grinder Bibble. Vic Rattlehead says Alex Jones says people talk to aliens on Rogan. He said quite a few things on Rogan. Uh, Vic Rattlehead says this is what he means. Oh, okay. A uh, spicy one says Aleister Crowley, Barbara Bush's father. Thoughts is I, I I've never heard that Possible. theory. Po- really? Possible? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, what? because I included that in. Yeah. No. For real. No. Because Barbara Bush, the old was, Barbara Bush. You're talking about, or the young one, like the old one, right? The old one. Sure. She's passed away. Yeah. George, yeah. George Bush Senior. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she, her mom, you know, they they come from money. Her last name is Pierce. She was actually part of a huge banking family. Uh, but her mom used to, I mean, back in the day, people would go to France, right? And her mom was in France around the time that Crowley was in France. And so she came back with this person who looked like, I mean, go look at, put, put a picture of him side to side. 
I'm going to have to Google this. Uh, should I just do it now? Look, I, you know what? I'll Google it while we bring on the callers because I've never heard this theory. And it's actually oh, no. piqued my interest uh, at this point. So I'll pull oh, up a side by side. Is it really that startling? Uh, yeah. All right. All right, I'm going to show it here in a minute. Uh, let's see. Spicy one, I already read that. Let me check. There are a couple stream elements. Also, thank you for the massive support. Um, the callers don't like it because it keeps delaying them getting on the show, but I like it because you're supporting the show, and it helps me a lot, especially this week. Man, I hope you guys like the studio, dude. I, I did this for you. I mean, for me too, obviously, but I wanted it to look nice. I wanted to, I wanted it to be epic, Gator. That's what I wanted, and uh, I think it is going to be epic this Friday, and we're kicking it off with a massive karaoke stream live July 10th, 9.30. It's going to be on podcast. Of course, shout-out to the Podcast Gang Gang, as always. Uh, there's a dedicated Podcast Gang Gang, uh, and we love them. Cooper says – oh, wait, I read that. Okay. Uh, let me check back on – man – they got us bouncing around. You know, we have like two or three, actually three different ways to support the live stream here while it's going on. So I have to <laughs> I have to keep up with them all. You know, back in the day, it was a little simpler. We had YouTube and I think, you know, stream elements and that was it. But now we got two or three. That's what they've done to us. But it's okay. We have to adapt. You adapt or die, right? I mean, that's pretty much how it goes. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can sit here and cry about it. And we do. There are nights where we cry about it. Uh, but <laughs> you know, the next night it's like, all right, pick yourself up. Let's go. You know, what else are you going to do? Uh, life in hell says great guest, Ralph. I read that already. Okay. Sorry. Chaos X says, but thank you. Chaos X says, thanks for the follow today, Ralph. Yeah. I followed him and I almost followed you a while back. Cause I see you on Twitter and we, we interact really the, the way I follow people on Twitter is okay. If they're notable, whatever, you know, they followed me, I follow them. Obviously, that's the clout thing. Of course, you have to do that. And then it's people that I interact with. It's not even like it's not that you have to have thousands of followers. Just if you talk to me a lot on Twitter and I interact with you a lot, I always see you, you know, sharing my posts, talking to me and stuff, sending me tweets. I'll follow you. Um, and so Chaos X actually, I fucked up a tweet or something, and he came in. Oh, he said it was bad form. He said it was bad form to end a sentence with four. Which it is bad form, by the way. And then I said, unkindly, I'd almost followed him before because we'd interacted a lot. I said this unkindly. I, I felt like he was being unkind too, though, Gator. I said, it's bad form to have 28 followers um, to him, which is the number of followers that he had. And then <laughs> he said something. It was about quality, not quantity. Uh, and he said that, and it cracked me up. And I said, you know what? I'm going to follow this motherfucker. Uh, so thank you, Chaos X. And I knew he was a viewer of the show, too. Um, so when he said that, I was like, yep, you got your follow. Thank you, sir. Uh, and appreciate you uh, as well for the support. Thank you so much. Got to pay respect to the guy who just BTFO'd you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right, all right, I got you. Uh, Red Pill says this. Your infinite light consciousness is trapped in a 3D reality, a.k.a. the cube. Gnostics are the only group who know how to escape. Jesus, Buddha, and Thoth all knew as well as enlightened beings. Jehovah is a human-like God. Is a human-like God. Blood sacrifices? Question mark. Doesn't add up. Then he says, those entities are called archons, by the way. Or archons, archons, I guess. Uh, they can pop in and out of our 3D dimension. They exist in a dimension above ours. Ours is low vibrational 
energy slash emotions. Wait, excuse me. Our low vibrational energy slash emotions feed them good vibes only. Love you, Ralph. Thank you, man. I I really, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't know much about what you're talking about. But um, I thank you. This for is the, a really Ralph's uh, forte. Yeah, it's really not. When you're getting into low vibrational and stuff like that, that's just not my, I, my. you know what my wheelhouse is? Talking shit. And so when <laughs> when you go into that, that's that's not really my wheelhouse. But I appreciate the support. You supported the show all night long. I don't think the, the guest agrees with you, but I still appreciate it. Now, let's take a couple calls real quick. Just because I said I was going to, we're going to not take as many as I'd planned. Uh, but let's see here. Cripple Jesus, go. Cripple Jesus. Jesus, oh, wake up. Me... Oh, my God. All right, Hold on, I'm going to give me. him the call and fix roll because it's... God bless. He's on his phone. He's on his phone. Oh, phone Discord. Discord, can you oh, fix shit. your fucking app, dude? Like, I'm so sick of the phone Discord fucking everything up. My Why app? don't you guys do something besides trying to fuck animals yes. and shit? Yeah, God yeah, damn yeah, fucking Jesus, you're on, degenerate buddy. furry am, moderators uh, um, of Discord. Fucking fix your shit. Go ahead, sorry. So, Ralph, I, um, I'm going to the casino this weekend, and I would like to take advice from the panel. <laughs> okay. You guys have any. Well, I mean, I, I, I have some. I'll tell you, when I went to the casino, so I went to the casino the first time. Well, there's a dog track in West Memphis called Southland Greyhound Park, so I went there, uh, but I don't really count that. Um, now, now, by the way, now Southland Greyhound Park is like a full fucking casino with just, it's basically awesome. But when I was growing up, it was just a dog track, uh, and they passed a, a law, and they just barely got it through, allowing for electronic games of skill. Uh, and now it's pretty much a full casino. It's actually blowing the fuck out of the casinos down in Mississippi. They put out a business. The casino in West Memphis is so fucking huge now, Southland Ground Park. By the way, they're they're going to change the name to just Southland now. I think they might actually get rid of the dog racing. Uh, they might not even have the dog racing anymore. But they've actually put out a business, some of the casinos in Tunica. Anyway, when I went to the casinos in Tunica, what I was astonished with, it's free drinks. Like, it's free alcohol all throughout if you're gambling in the casinos in Tunica. I don't know what, how it is in your casino or where you're going, but it's free drinks. Now, you have to get beer because they will absolutely water down your free alcoholic drinks. If you ask for vodka and bourbon and all that shit, they're going to water it down. If you ask for a beer, my dad taught me this, actually. If you ask for a beer, they can't, they can't water it down. They just hand you the bottle. They pop the top and hand it to you. They can't water down the beer. So if they're giving free drinks, always take the beer. I don't like gambling very much. I mean, I like it, actually. I do like, I enjoy gambling. I don't like losing. And I get irrationally angry when I lose money in a bet. And so that's why I don't bet very much. Uh, so when I go to the casino, I usually have like a 40 to $60 limit. And so that's that's how I roll in the casino. Now, if you if you make money and you start winning, you know, you can do whatever you want with that money. Uh, but I have like, I'm only going to lose a certain amount of money. Yeah, for sure. Well, as far as the drinks, I don't Thank have you. a fake ID. But I think if I weigh on the tired boys pretty hard. So wait, how old are you? I thought you were like, how the fuck old are you? No, I'm 19. Oh my god. Well, yeah. If you put the yeah, if you put the voice in, I think they'll they'll probably let you in now. And um, I'll definitely be getting stones, so I'll be a high roller <laughs> regardless of how much money I put in. And uh, 
I'm actually planning on using my uh, crippleness to get out of wearing a mask. So, <laughs> That's your medical exemption? So, by the way, yeah, I, was, um, I was walking into the store today, and they said, oh, you have to wear a mask, da, 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 unless you have a medical exemption. Cripple yeah, Jesus I, rolling up in his wheelchair with, like, 20-inch rims on it and shit. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like they're not going to ask because that would be too awkward. <laughs> they won't even ask. Man, this guy's so sneaky. They won't even ask, and he knows it. What are they gonna? What are you gonna like? Bully the crippled guy? Like, put your fucking mask on? Like, that's not gonna happen. It won't happen. Yeah, and I'm going with uh, two other people, and I encourage them to make up a disability too. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what they come up with. Holy oh shit, <laughs> man, you're wild. Get out of here. Thank you for calling in, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> Have a good night, boy. <laughs> you too, buddy. You too wild, man. All right, let's take a couple callers. William Ramsey, great guest. Uh, go ahead, Harold Silvatici. Yeah, hi. Hello. Um, I don't know about this. Hi. I don't know about this case. Uh, I did used to work with psychopaths. I worked in psychology in the UK, and we had something called the PCLR test, which was a psychopathy checklist revised test devised uh, by Robert Hare in Canada. And it was very useful for people like serial killers. So I had a patient and I thought he was a psychopath. He wasn't tested. He came under a mental illness diagnosis and he was released. I said, I think he's a psychopath. I think he's dangerous. After I left, he was released and he killed. He went on to kill twice more. Um, if you've got uh, someone like a serial killer, a uh, job description of a serial killer, then a psychopath is the ideal applicant. So what I'm going to ask William is, is were these kids in the Memphis Three? Uh, West case, Memphis Three. The West Memphis Three. The West Memphis Three case. Uh, I know they had a low IQ. That was when I think I briefly read about it. But were they given psychopath tests as well? Do you know if that was looked into? And do you know more about the sort of I psychopathy in, in a wider context with this sort of killing? Well, I think that when the uh, psychiatrist tested there, you can find it online. I wish I could remember the psychiatrist's name offhand, but I've, uh, that you can you can get his analysis of the of Damien Eccles um, at the it's for the capital murder appellate. So you'd have to look that up. It's on Callahan Eight K. Uh, you can just type that into Google and find that. But I don't. I think um, they his he signed up for. Before the murder took place, he signed up for disability. And on the disability, he listed himself as a sociopath. So he described himself as sociopathic. Uh, but I think that the most instructive thing is to see that. But I think that I don't know the totality of his test. You have to go back and look at all these different doctors who are making notes about him in Exhibit 500. And that's in my book. Certain excerpts are in my book, Abomination, but you can also uh, read them in total. And online, it's 500 pages. That's how it got its name. So there is documentation by professionals in the court record for sure. Thank All you, sir. I appreciate right. you calling in, man. I'm gonna have to. I, Thanks, I have David. to move it. I have to boost it along. Thank you so much, though, yeah, man. I appreciate really. the Thanks. support of the show too. Thank you so much. All right, let's keep going. We'll take a couple more calls. Trad life quickly, man. I'm gonna boost it along because I got I got to cover a couple more big topics. So go ahead, sir. Elaine Maxwell did not kill herself. Ah, uh, thank you. I agree with that. Life in hell. Lightning round. Go ahead. Hello. 
Hello, sir. And by hey, the way, thank you. On, Patreon supporter, Dime Division level, actually. And I have the Patreon hooked back up to Discord. It took me like a week, and then the CAPTCHA finally started working again. And so I got it hooked back up. Thank you so much for supporting the show, and thank you for calling in. Go ahead. Gang, gang. Um, I was just calling because um, of what I added in the super chat before about the Manson case. Um, it's actually really, really interesting. If you look really into it, there's a lot more other than the Scientology and the process church connections, there are other connections like with the beach boys. And um, I think I've said this before in another super chat, but there's like this weird, um, apparently mama Cass from the uh, mamas and the papas bought drugs from that house that Sharon Tate was murdered in. And she apparently went back there in the morning after the murders to buy drugs, found the bodies, panicked left and steve mcqueen actually organized to get the drugs out of the house before the police arrived so that when the police arrived there'll be no connections to to the house having been uh had a drug dealing den being in it so that's all i wanted to say it was just a well, kind of interesting it, little tip wasn't frykowski wasn't frykowski yes, Frikow- a known drug dealer frykowski and uh sebring i believe Fikowski was a friend of Roman Polanski's. He brought over from Poland. Now, uh, and um, he was in with uh, Roman Polanski. And Jay Sebring was a hairdresser and he had connections to the Rat Pack, which is like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. And he was, he was, (laughs) I know it's crazy. And he was apparently, that was a front, his hairdressing business was a front for selling drugs to the Rat Pack. And all that sort of stuff. So, well, it's known so fact some... that uh, Sebring did uh, Sinatra's fake hair, so he made his toupee. So, so that was one of the things Sebring did. He didn't just cut hair; he made wigs for people back before cosmetic surgery. But I would also turn you on to an excellent book that was just published this year by O'Neill, titled "Chaos," and it details that so the CIA. Were... Yeah, it's about the CIA yeah. and. Uh, it's an excellent read, but he talks about there was something going on in California where all of these criminals were being run in huge operations. There was another one about DeFreeze, if you, uh, the Symbionese Liberation Army. It was total fake. It was a front. And the fact that um, Manson himself had been arrested in a huge auto uh, trading thing and then got off. Like, they don't know why he was able to get away from the police during this huge bust that took place at the Spawn's Ranch. Um, but O'Neill goes into all these very suspicious aspects of Manson. Really fascinating book. An excellent read. I highly recommend that. And I talked to case, O'Neill. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say the, the whole case is just super interesting. And you find these little connections and you find out about uh, Dennis Wilson and his connection to Tex Watson. And, yes. you know, they had something going on there. And it just it's just crazy. It's a whole rabbit hole. They had They had something called, they had basically a Hollywood Hellfire Club. And they called themselves the Golden Penetrators, and they were involved. Wait, in wait, 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 wait! The Golden <laughs> Penetrators. I I heard that correctly, correct. right? Okay, that's correct. So Wilson was part of that, and then Manson was had his girls. There was all kinds of sketchy things going on, and uh, yeah, it's really an incredible. If you look at all the, the, a lot of people knew Manson much more than after you know, and I think O'Neill talks about that because after things went bad. Everybody didn't know Manson. 
but he was networked in all kinds of stuff. And some of those murders maybe have been uh, been for hire to make look and, like random murders. You know? And one more quick thing, and I know I'm taking up a bit of time, I'm sorry, but the other connection is Terry Melcher. I believe his name is Terry Melcher, who was a right, right. record label, he was really high up in the record label industry. And he was the one that signed, or he was there to sign Manson to get his music career up and running. And there was a lot of, and I think Melcher owned the house that Sharon Tate lived in, like they were renting from Terry. I can't remember the, all those details because right. it just gets no, I think so you're crazy, right. But... He lived very close, but uh, yeah. O'Neill actually met Melcher and talked to him. So he's has like face-to-face -face things going on with Melcher and Santa Clara, but he was the son of Doris Day, you know, one of the Hollywood luminaries. Yep. So there's all kinds of, it's just an incredible. That's right. Case. Thank and you, caller. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead you. and finish your thought. I appreciate it, man. One of Manson Peoples was uh, Atkins, who was a member of the Church of Satan and knew Anton LaVey. So these guys are weird things. Are now, going. you know what? These callers have been waiting so long. I was about to just wrap the whole segment, but they've been waiting so long, and they might have a question for you. That's why I'll bring them in. Eben, real quick, do you have a question for the guest? Uh. No. Yes or no. I just, okay. All right. I, I, I'll put you, okay. No, okay. Wait, sorry. Wait, wait. Okay. I'll put Bring you me back, back in later. Yes, Bring back exa in. yes. Exactly. That's what I'll do. Uh, Immortal, do you have a question for the guest? Yes or no? If you don't, I'll bring you back in in the next segment. Yes, I do have a. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, the process church of the final judgment. I just wanted to say the whole name in case uh, people in the audience. Where what? Oh no! Wait. Let me turn you up because your volume's a little low, and I'll, I'll crank you up a little bit. Now say that again. Uh, the Process Church of the Final Judgment is the full name of the Process Church, in case people in the audience aren't aware. Okay. Um, and I didn't know if the guest was aware of not uh, the Church of Satan, but the Satanic Temple being connected with Process Church of the Final Judgment. Uh, that yes, kind of I actually found that out. Hey, go ahead. Yes, I am aware of that. They actually overlap. The guy who was the head, what is his name, Lucian or Lucin, yeah. is he knows a lot about the process, and they overlap. If you, some of these groups do overlap, if you look at Genesis P. Orgy, he seems to be a member of the Process Church and doing rituals before he passed away, just like last month, um, with them. So, if you look at kind of like the Crowley model, these guys just join any occult group that'll have them, and just like Crowley did, actually. Are you aware of the gray fact within? All the what? The gray faction. The gray faction? Yeah. No, I'm not aware of that. He said no. No. He said no. He said no. I mean, I don't, I'm not aware of it either. Why don't you tell us about it? Uh, well, that's just connected to how the process is connected to Satan Temple, and basically they supposedly help run cover for. Uh, Christian pedophiles, et cetera, et cetera. Not going to go into it. My second thing was uh, I, I looked through your Facebook page a little bit and saw you posted a post called Hitler's Secret Army uh, by Tim Tate. I was curious on what your right. opinions on Hitler are since you did mention earlier about a German cult thing. You know that the Germans were into occult stuff. Right. Well, What's your opinion? I'm glad we got Hitler in. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. You have a good one. Okay. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I wrote I wrote an article. If you want to read it, it's called Crowley and Hitler, the Ideology of Evil. If you want to read that online, you can just type that in. 
I think that's a good idea. William Ramsey, thank you, sir, for coming on the kill stream. I honestly right. had a lot of fun tonight, and I thank think um, that we kind of stepped outside of our normal box uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and we do that quite frequently on the kill stream. I just put this out on Twitter. That's why we succeed uh, because we do stuff like this. Well, and I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. Plug your stuff again. Tell them where they can find you, uh, and hopefully we can have you come back on. I, I think you enjoyed it too. Maybe you'll you'll be right. down to come back on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, my books are on Amazon. Just type in William Ramsey. And then my videos are on Vimeo.com. You should type in William Ramsey. But uh, I have five documentaries on there on those subjects. Alistair Crowley, Smiley Face Killers, Children of the Beast. So they're now all tell them where they can find you on Twitter. Oh, it's, uh, I think I'm Twitter X, William Ramsey X. Okay. So I think that all that's right. my Twitter handle. And I do post on Facebook sometimes. All right. I was making sure. I'll, honestly, I'll I'll give you a spoiler alert. The reason I asked that is because I, I thought that was your Twitter. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure. Um, so shout out okay. to you. And thank you so much for coming yeah. on, man. You have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. I can tell he has some shit going on.